Grab the blanket, girl, I'll grab the beer. I know a spot not far from here. A little place only four-wheel drives can go. Welcome back to The Back Porch with Jay and Brandon. Thank you all for being with us today and listening to our episode. Today we got Michael King with us. Michael, thank you for being here. You're welcome. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Well, we just got to hear a sample of one of your songs, and I want to just start off the morning that way. Can you can you start off with that song you just played? Yeah. What's this? What's the name of this song that you're going to play for us? Uh, it's called uh, "You Won't See Me." You won't see me cry. Okay. definitely tell and I've seen in your bio you don't sound like every other local band that's around I mean you have a very distinct sound there uh, one of the folks that you said that you had a lot of inspiration from with the Beatles and Buddy Holly you definitely can hear that in your music 
Yeah, well, thank you. Uh, yeah, when I was around 12 or 13, uh, I think I discovered Buddy Holly before I did uh, the Beatles, actually. And um, once I once I heard all the Buddy Holly, that was I was just done. And um, soon after that, I heard uh, you know the Beatles, and I started listening to the Beatles. And, and there was something about the Rubber Soul album uh, that was just so um, you know it was just so different and sounded so simple in sounded so simple in production. I mean, they didn't use a lot of you know it wasn't crazy production like you hear nowadays and it wasn't even like a Phil Spector produced song. It was just sounded to the ear like guitar, drums, bass, and that's it. And it sounded, even with the sim- uh, simplicity, it sounded so much fun. So when I when I heard Rubber Soul, it was just instantly spoke to me like I can do that. You know, not you know, not that it was easily made. I mean, they, but uh, to me it was just like, you know, I can do something like this. This it's sounds so fun. clean. Yeah. Whenever you listen to it, right? I mean, it just has this feeling, um, right? The, and the album as a whole, also, whenever you're listening to it cover to cover, it just it makes sense together. Right, right, it does, and um, just each song kind of goes along together. You know, that's when they introduced the sitar, uh, George Harrison. Um, he kind of, I think, yeah, that was the album he introduced. Well, actually, I think he introduced it in Help, maybe, or maybe it was the Help movie that he, um, one of the extras, um, they did a scene in a. Um, in a restaurant, these Indian musicians that had a part in the movie uh, on a break, he found the sitar. But maybe I think it was Rubber Soul that he introduced the sitar in the music, and that was something that also um, with that album, I thought, you know, what is this sound, this sitar sound in this pop song, you know, this old Beatles song? And um, by the time I was 15, I started my first job at McDonald's so I could get a sitar. <laughs> that was my reason for starting my first job. You may be the only McDonald's employee in history to want to get their part-time job so that they can get a sitar. <laughs> right. Um, I think that I met my wife, and uh, many of our first interactions were through a McDonald's drive through window when I was doing the same job when I was 15, 16 years old. Well, that song that you just sang, where did you write it? When did it come to you? What was going on at that point in life? Um, well, that wasn't really, this, <clears throat> I was going, um, I think when I wrote this, I was, um, it was right in that time when, um, I was working with my manager who, uh, really encouraged me to write country music. You know, he had clients that needed songs. Um, he needed me to uh, really get into that country music, um, thing and, and really focus on that. But, um, you know, ultimately I just, you know, the country music thing, you know, um, I had to not nothing to get. Uh, I just had to get back to writing what I'm good at and what feels natural. Uh, whether it comes out something that a mainstream country person would like or not, that's beside the point. But um, but this this specific song, it was just written during that period, and and to me, it kind of has a kind of an older country feel to it. But I don't think I was writing it for uh, you know my manager or. Um, anything it really wasn't anything going on in my life anything like a breakup it was just something that um just kind of a melody came along and I I really liked um I really I don't know how it came upon this but every once in a while as you know as y'all probably know you you'll come across a little change that just sounds good and I just really liked that uh, vocal melody over this uh, chord progression it's like a um so time I just love that change, so I, 
when I when I get excited about something, I instantly have to. Well, if I get that excited about something, I you know I have to really uh, get quick on writing some words to it before it goes away. So it wasn't anything personal. I just thought that you know um, I would make something that could be hopefully a, a relatable to others that might listen to it because I really felt like the the music, the actual music to it spoke spoke to me. And so I hoped that it would uh, hopefully do at least a little bit of the same for others. So did the music come to that song first before? Before the words did, um, yeah, I believe so. I believe it was just kind of, um, you know, it's just this song was just one of those things where you pick up your guitar and um, you just start strumming a G chord, you know. And I think actually how this song started, just how the in, the intro starts, um, that's where I started. I was just like. Once I got that far, I just started singing along with it. So uh, now we have a special guest with us this morning <laughs> that you brought with us. Tell us, tell us who's here. Um, his name is River King. He actually plays. <laughs> he plays um, lead guitar. Well, actually, we um, he's wanting to transition to toy piano. <laughs> and um, and we, you know, you know, you have like uh, <clears throat> disagreements within the band. And I told him, I told him that the, you know, the toy piano has its place for certain songs. You know, we can, um, you know, I was like, you know, people use toy piano in production. It's, you know, sounds good on certain things, just not everything. And I really encouraged him to actually do more than just bang on the piano. I'm not really sure what kind of experimental thing he's going for with just banging on the toy piano. But, uh, then tell us how old is River. He's he's two and a half. <laughs> All right. It was and, pretty uh, cute. While I go, whenever you were singing, he was ever trying to turn you up on the radio, which was yeah. pretty funny. Yeah. A little added sound effect at the end of the song. So, uh, do you have another live song that you can play for us? Uh, yeah. Let me see. Um, uh, let me think. Um. Yeah, let me try this one. I haven't done this one in a while, but let me try it. Okay. This is called Reach It. How can I impress you? What words will enlighten your world? Seems so hard to know On that first level Anyone's just a no-go I can see clear through that outer shell Very well All you gotta do is reach out your hand You seem in a mood and too casual Like nothing could come so natural Take our worlds and then tie them into one. Your hand reaches out to mine while mine lets you come undone. So just reach it, I'm gonna take right a hold. Reach it, cause I want you to know that I wanna be with you, and I'll never let go with you, cause now you're all I wanna know. You're gonna glow. I'm gonna make you smile 
you till the morning lets us go And then if you should need me When the loneliness of light comes too much to hold Well I'll be there in the rays shining Standing in an open door Again, I'm gonna let you know I'm gonna let you know Yeah, I'm gonna reach it I'm gonna take right a hold Reach it cause I want you to know That I wanna be with you And I'll never let go With you cause now you're all I wanna know You're gonna glow You're gonna see I'm gonna make you smile I want you to know I wanna be with you And I'll never let go With you Cause now you're all I wanna know You're gonna glow You're gonna see I'm gonna make you smile And when I know You got me I'm gonna hold you Till the morning lets us go really sounded great. Oh, thanks, thanks. <clears throat> kind of sounds like a good mix of some, maybe some folk, country, and rock all kind of mixed yeah. into one. Um, kind of a thing maybe, uh, kind of reminds me of something maybe like the Avett Brothers or... Oh, yeah. Kind yeah. of kind of something along that lines. Uh, yeah. That's cool. Maybe maybe they wouldn't uh, get, get off key at the end. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I really like that kind of music. You don't hear a whole lot of it. Um and those that do sing it, seems like you just pretty much have to go somewhere local to hear it. For some reason, things like that doesn't you just get a lot of airplay for some reason. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But then again, there's kind of a there's kind of a cult following of of that. And yeah, I took this. Uh, I actually took that song. I was writing with a Nashville uh, writer, Burton. I was writing with a Nashville writer, Burton Collins, and um, what is it? <laughs> I don't have any suckers. I don't have any suckers. <laughs> Hold on, I got this. Here you go, River. No, I took that song to uh, Nashville, and um, I was writing uh, with a with a writer, Burton Collins. He he um, he'd written some uh, um, some rare cuts of Celine Dion, and he, and he was also working on some stuff with plain uh, plain white tees. <clears throat> and we'd uh, written two songs together. And I took this song to him, and um, 
I was kind of convinced that I needed to do something with the words. Of course, I was working with my manager, and he wanted everything to be kind of, you know, this kind of country thing. And I said, how can we country this one up? And you know, what can we do to the lyrics? And what can we do? And he didn't want to do anything to it. He's like, that, you know, let's let's. He he liked it. He said, let's. Do, I don't want to do anything to that. You know, that's one song that we don't have to. You know, even if the words are a bit, um, uh, uh, the the words are. Um, I guess his point was the music was good enough you can do whatever with the words. So I didn't do anything else with it. Um, I just kind of let it let it ride and you know if I play it I play it and that's how that one goes you know. Well, I think it sounds great. Oh thank you. I appreciate it. Tell us a little bit about where you've been in life and where you played. I know that you played up in East Tennessee for a while. Yeah, I was a uh, well I, <clears throat> right out of high school I started. Um, well, yeah, I was at Dollywood. I was I was at uh I was a singer dancer at Dollywood, and uh, that was an experience. You know, you know, I wanted to I wanted to be a songwriter ever since I was, you know, I tried to um, writing songs and making music like I, like I said when, ever since just listening to the Beatles and uh, and uh, my goal was just uh you know to make make good music, try to make good music and um but after high school you know I was I was just looking for something to do with music you know um so. I ended up at Dollywood um, and uh, different production shows, and uh, it was a good experience. You know, I've never—I don't think I've ever danced before in my life. And they, you know, the choreographer would have me. <laughs> That's a very me. uncomfortable experience, too, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but I, I did had that a, in college you know, for a little while, and yeah. sometimes even <laughs> if you want to sing and you want to play music, you want to do something like that. Sometimes people say, "Yeah, well, if you want to do that, you've got to do something else with it." And right. uh, it can get us outside of our comfort zones. So, what kind of stuff did you do at Dollywood? Uh, we did a, the first thing I did was a show called "Let the Good Times Roll," and um, it was a '50s show. It was kind of a theatrical thing too. So, you know, I played a guy named uh, the lead character, Sparky, <laughs> the, the preppy little Zach type guy from Saved by the Bell, that kind of character. Uh-huh. Uh, and we're we're all putting together a talent show to save the Pines Theater, which is Pines Theater's the actual theater right. that we played it in at uh, Dollywood. And I guess it's a historical. A lot of uh, places there in that '50s section of Dollywood are actually uh, historical places of Sevierville, right. Tennessee, um, where Dolly uh, is from. So. Um, so yeah, that was my part. I had. Um, Did you enjoy being at Dollywood? Is it something that you look back on fondly? Uh, every a now and then, experience. <laughs> you know, it, there was a there's a lot of competition uh, with uh, you know you you make some you make some good friends, but there's a lot of competitive people in that in that uh, kind of whole thing. And um, what I noticed was. Um, I noticed that uh, well, actually, the guy that's actually the uh, director, entertainment director there now, used to be my bully, <laughs> the entertainment director <laughs> at Dollywood. He was in the same. He's probably in two or three shows with me, and he was my bully. You know, he would he would he would uh, get along with me one minute, and we'd go to a, a cast party, and I mean, he would straight up bully me. So um, I think that's kind of funny, but you know, it was. You know, I had a lot of solos in uh, a sang Unchained Melody, Duke of Earl, all those 50 songs. And there there were some people that didn't, didn't like I had that many solos, but what I'd try to remind them if they said anything about it was, you know what, when y'all have that, that big dance number, I'm the guy that he puts in the back, the choreographer put, put on that back line, <laughs> you know. Well, the next thing we're going to do, we're going to cut to one of your pre-recorded songs and play that. Uh, I think the one that we're going to play 
I think it's called Game for You. Yeah, Game for right? You. Yeah, that's something I'm uh, currently working on. Uh, that's this is what uh, we got some tracks done real quick over at uh, King Productions with Jonathan, who did a great job. And uh, okay, uh, we're gonna play that now. All right, here we go. <laughs> Hey 
tell us a little bit about what the recording process is like for you. Oh, well, that's a, that's a big answer I'd have to give you, but I'll give, try to give you the short version. Um, now, over the, over the years, I've gone to places, you know, in Nashville, and had, I've worked with you know, producers, and uh, I've worked at, uh, recorded in places here in, in Jackson. Um, and the problem that I always find is, uh, you know, it always feels like, and I'm sure a lot of artists can kind of agree with me here, but it always feels like the meter, you know, the meter's running, and it's like you're in a cab, you know that constantly, the longer you spend in there. Um, and uh, as a songwriter, when you, uh, when you, uh, a lot of songwriters, you, know, you, you come up with these ideas and you, um, you, you kind of know how uh, you want the production just to sound, and sometimes it's to a T, you know. Um, and that's why a lot of times when I write, I'll, I'll record on an 8-track at home and put down a lot of the production ideas. Um, so, um, so... Anyway, the, long, the short version of that answer is uh, what I'd like to uh, do this year is um, really focus on recording on um, um, at home using Logic Pro X and try to get uh, some professional sound and quality at home. That way, I can spend uh, you know a week on one song if I need to, or I can really delve into to different sounds that I need for certain songs. Um, without torturing other people in studios, but um, <laughs> what what we got recorded there uh, at a John, uh, King Productions with Jonathan King, we we tracked what you just heard. We tracked some stuff real quick, and uh, um, I still want to do some more things to that. But um, but I really li I really liked what uh, Jonathan did there at the studio. He he really has an ear for things, and he really you could tell he really puts his heart and uh, his own passion for music into it. So. One of the things we were talking about during the break just a minute ago was the, uh, you know, a lot of folks are turning back to vinyl because of the sound of it. Uh, do you have albums that you still go back and listen to on vinyl, uh, albums that you think sound better that way that you enjoy listening to? Um, yeah, I do. I've got a little portable uh, vinyl player, and um, and uh, what, I, what I really like to listen to is, uh, well, I've, I've got, I like to listen to the Beatles' White Album or uh, Bruce Springsteen, uh, uh, Darkness on the Edge of Town. Um, I think two of my favorites, though, are a, a Stevie Wonder, Talking Book, and a Stevie Wonder, Inner Visions. Um, yeah, those are both great albums. Oh, classic. Uh, the, the, way, uh, the way Stevie Wonder would really connect different songs, the way he really made songs or made records in the uh, late 70s, he would really connect each song. Um, and what, when you listen to the song, like for example, a popular song of Stevie's, uh, Superstition, what people don't realize, when Superstition ends, it's uh, geniusly connecting to another song that's about to begin on the album. Right. Which, and that's one of those things that unless you listen to the whole album, the way it was put together, right, all the way through, you're not going to get. Uh, this is very, very oddly off topic. But this week, this week on this show that my wife forces me to watch on Thursday, I don't particularly care for, but I, I tolerate uh, Scandal. They started off this show with the Stevie Wonder song, and they all of the action in this one scene was interwoven with this one song, and they're playing it backwards and forwards as it's showing you this scene. And it's weird to me how much I really can detest a show, but when they put a good song to it, yeah. and I can actually relate to it, how much better I feel about watching and how much it sticks with me. Yeah. Uh, and Stevie Wonder is one of those folks that uh, if you listen to the whole album all the way through, you can remember where you were when you heard it the first time. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, and that's something I think that I first started paying attention to when I was listening to Johnny Cash in college, and I was reading some of the books that he had written, and he would talk about making making the album themed and trying to tie all those songs together. He, He said several times, he thought that the way you should listen to an album is beginning to end all the way through and hear it all together. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Uh, like San Quentin, uh, the, the San Quentin album. Um, you just you get that whole prison experience when you listen to it. And, mm-hmm. uh, um, I don't know. That, I, I like, uh, <clears throat> I like uh, San Quentin a little better than the Folsom Prison. But um, both of those albums, when you listen to them, you think about all of the things a prisoner would think about. Oh, yeah. You realize they're, it, it's way outside of them just being defined by the crimes that they've committed. Yeah. But that they have all these different facets to their personality. That's why he's singing a spiritual one moment, and then singing a song about killing a woman the next. Yeah, definitely. Um, I don't know. I've always been like this. If if I write a song and then I know that um, you know I, I hand over a CD to somebody, I know they're about to listen to that song. So here you go, man. Listen to the song. I, I'll always <laughs> a little secret. Um, I'll always kind of uh, go back and listen to that song after I give it to a person. And kind of imagine what that, knowing that person, what they might think, what, how they may, might kind of uh, feel, listen to it. But as as far as like the San Quentin album, I mean, that's, I kind of take that kind of same thing with it. You're wondering, like, what are the prisoners thinking, you know, as you listen to the album? Uh, what, you know, when, when they play Wreck of the Old 97 or they play, um, <clears throat> uh, what's the other one? I can't remember, but it's about a... The song that Johnny wrote, like the last minute before the before the recording, where um, basically about Starkville Prison, something Starkville. Mm-hmm. Um, the song about him being arrested for picking flowers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you're just wondering what those prisoners are out there thinking, you know. But you kind of get an idea once they, you know, start cheering and um, the whole uh, classic uh, incident during the show where he throws down the glass. You call this water, you know, and the. It's just amazing to kind of wonder what people are thinking. But what you were saying a minute ago about um, kind of um, how music on um, like the intro uh, uh, to the show you were watching with Stevie Wonder, that kind of got me thinking. You know, it's like um, it's amazing how certain songs you've heard can really kind of come to life when you see it used on television. You know, when you see it used in a movie, yeah, like that. So uh, one of my favorite things to do is find. vinyl albums that are soundtracks and listen to them through and part of the reason I like doing that I like different types of music and I like to see them added up in different ways and whenever somebody has gone through some music producer somewhere that is putting everything together for a soundtrack they've had this story in mind they've read the script they've thought it through and then they have this emotional connection uh, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy is the one that everybody's thinking about right now because it came out last year and it had such an amazing soundtrack. You know, all these songs that are told through this comic book story and you don't feel like a comic book could get you that deep, but then you realize it really can and it ties in with all these pop songs from the 70s. It's kind of awesome. Oh, wow. Yeah, definitely. Well, do you have another song for us? I do. This is um, <clears throat> something that... Um... Yeah, I think it's kind of appropriate with uh, with the with the radio session here today. It's called Young Boy. <laughs> <laughs>
When I was a young boy Took all of my young boy ways Found myself a dream I saved Through my young boy days When I was a young boy so much world to see And my small town playground It was too easy to dream My first girl My first kiss In my small town world It couldn't get any better than this So I thought That every young Gets it won't be so young forever Till it hits you, gets you Longing for your young boy days When I was a young boy Growing older by the days And taller to see all the walls Standing in the Still flying my sails, playing with toys. Another great song. Uh, you mentioned earlier, <clears throat> excuse me, that Buddy Holly was also one of your influences. Oh yeah, that was my first influence. That was your yeah. first influence. Yeah, I too, when I when yeah. I was young, I watched uh, the Buddy Holly story. Yeah, the Gary Busey with thing. Gary yeah. Busey, and definitely. Yeah. For some reason, I mean, I absolutely <laughs> fell in love with Buddy Holly at that yeah. point. That next week, I went out to Walmart and bought two or three of his cassette tapes, greatest hits albums, and and things oh, yeah. like that, and just. Wore them tapes out. Yeah. See, that's that's what I that's what I did. I'm I know I saw that movie, and uh, uh, that's probably exactly what I did. I probably went out and got a a bunch of body, uh, Buddy Holly and started uh, discovering, you know. And that's another thing. You see the the move the songs in the movies, and you you realize um, you know, what beautiful songs they were. Like True Love Ways, a beautiful love song. 
um, you know, that'll be the day. Uh, you know, exactly, those, yeah. It was songs like that that I was just like, that. those songs are so simple, but they're so uh But so they great. say a lot. They, they really do. You know, yeah. and, and one thing with Buddy Holly that I think a lot of people may not realize is how many songs and how many hits he produced in just his two-year run. Right, yeah. You know, exceptionally short lifespan. I mean, you know. Definitely a misconception of uh, of his career span. Yeah, exactly, because he, I mean, he just popped them out. Right. Uh, I would say probably one of my favorite songs would be Ollie V. Oh, yeah. I like Ollie V. I don't know why, but for some reason that song just kind of just catches my yeah. attention. Yeah. You know, it's just the, the beat, the song. Right. But uh, but anyways, uh, tell us a little bit about where you play here locally and where people can hear you live. Uh, let's see. Um, uh, let's see. February fourteenth, I believe that's the date. Uh, uh, me and the band will be playing at uh, Highway seventy Bar and Grill. Okay. Um, they right now they're featuring um, uh, you know so original like people doing their own music. Right. Uh, pretty soon they'll be you know be doing cover songs, but um, but it's a it's a great experience out there. You you know there's they they um they tend to have uh, some heavier groups. Some edgier groups out there, uh-huh. which uh, I think will be interesting. Yeah, because um, you, as you could tell from the recordings, a lot of times I go in the studio and I'll come out and I'm like, "Well, I sound like a little kid with a pop song," <laughs> and, uh, and so I have to do a little convincing with uh, with people like, "Well, I'm edgy. Believe it. I'm mean, I mean, I'm edgy. <laughs> you know, it's a lot edgier than me." Um, so that'll be fun to kind of just you know let uh, let the guitars go a little crazier and. Uh, you know, really, yeah. Put a lot, put a lot more into it as far as you know the kind of yeah. Kurt Cobain get more energy, you know. In it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, yeah, uh, but where you, can uh, where can folks go and buy your music or get your music? Uh, well, um, right now you can get um, if if you like what you hear today, um, you can uh, find me on Facebook and um, uh, those those two demos that you're hearing today and um, a few other things. If you like what you hear, you can just find me on Facebook, and I'll send you know, message me, and I'll I'll send you those two MP3s. Um, I'm actually uh, the end of this year. I hope to be done with um, that with my album I'm working on uh, called Rock and Roll. So once that's done, um, that, that's that's my main thing right now is I really want to get that done and uh, and do it right. So I hope okay. for it to be done the end of this year. But, Is um, Facebook the easiest way for people to find you if they want to book you for a show? Yeah, that that's probably the easiest way to do. There's, you know, Facebook is uh, useful for uh, some things, and that's that's one of those things. So you can find me on find me on Facebook and uh, okay, and do that. All right, so you can look Michael King up on Facebook and shoot him a message, and he can get back with you and let you know where to get his music. Yeah, we want to thank y'all for being here with us today and uh, for listening us. to us and. Thank you, Michael, for being here. Yeah, it's been a real treat. My this pleasure. has been The Back Porch with Jay and Brandon. The address for us is theoriginalbackporch.podbean.com. And we got one last song to play from Michael here. And I'll let Jay introduce that, and then we'll be done. We do. We're going to close this out with a song called uh, Rock Strong. And this is Michael King at The Back Porch.
True.